0: Hi, it's just me, Nicola. Just before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to every single one of you for listening to these stories each week. You are making my dreams come true. And if you are enjoying them, please, please subscribe and leave a review. It will really help us grow in the podcast world. Enjoy. Today's guest is the UK's answer to Oprah Winfrey a high-performance mentor, author, and CEO of Mums in Business International, with a community of over 350,000 globally. She is a mum of six who travels the world and homeschools. This woman is the definition of superwoman. Please welcome Leona Burton. Hi. Oh, my goodness. I love that intro. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. Well, absolutely. It's so, so well-deserved. Leona, I want to just share with everybody how I came across you so I think it was the beginning of 2020 Uh I was in Mexico and you just popped up on my who to follow who is also in Mexico feed on my Instagram and I was like oh my gosh it's like she's English she's in Mexico she must be around the corner for me and I started following you and I have been fascinated with you ever since I'm like a silent little stalker. (laughs) Silent stalker. Yeah absolutely and what I love about you is that you embody the message of you can have it all. And that is like my passion and I'm obsessed about. And so you do have it all. You have the business, you have the mum life, you have the relationship, you travel the world. It is all amazing. And I know that behind the scenes is It is absolutely chaos. Yeah.
1: But it, but it, but you're right. If I look at my life, I can say that each of the areas of my life I'm I'm happy with. Yeah. I am.
0: Fulfilled. I am. Yeah. Amazing. Now What I would love to to do for the guests, for the audience, is to take it back to the very, very beginning. Where did it all begin? Who is the little girl behind this fabulous woman?
1: Oh, the little girl is somebody who is super intelligent, Mm -hmm. very, very, very shy, but with an air of confidence um, somebody who just wants to be seen, somebody who wants to be heard and somebody who wants to be understood. And I think for a long time, I really struggled with that. In fact, if I'm really honest with myself, I think it's an ongoing, it's it's ongoing work. And I think sometimes people look at me and you know they see what I've created and they see the stuff, but actually they don't see all of the work that goes on behind the scenes to continue to do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. So...
0: Where were you born? Tell us about your life. Okay, okay? so I was born in Leicester. Yeah. Shout out to the Midlands. <laughs> me too, uh, <laughs> not Leicester. Where I born? Tamworth. In Midlands, oh, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so I was born in Leicester to a mum and dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mum and dad split up when I was about 10 months old. And I, I only know part of the story because I only know what I've been told. Uh, they split up when I was 10 months. And my dad had full custody of me from the age of one. And from what I remember, and it could be completely wrong, because, you know, you and your little, have no idea. But I think I stopped seeing my mum around four or five. Um, I don't know why. I have no idea. Nobody wants to tell me. And I just lived with my dad. And honestly, it was very normal to me, and I didn't know any difference. So people used to say to me at school, is your mum dead? And I was like, I don't think so, but I don't know. And, well, where's your mum? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I, I have no idea where my mum is. And for me, for a long time, I never really questioned it at all. And it, I just went about my life. And I was really studious at school and I was, you know, I was very into studying and getting on and just getting my head down and doing. And I was interested in, like, marine biology and I would do loads and loads of extracurricular stuff just to kind of learn and absorb and and junior school was fine. I loved junior school. And then I went to high school and it was polar opposite. I went to an inner city school and being really bright, that didn't wash too well. I used to go to a special class <laughs> for intelligent kids in an inner city school. It didn't go down too well. So I find I found high school really, really difficult. And there are a few situations, you know, where I got chased by a group of girls and guys were really mean to me at school I looked like a boy I had these giant boobs come out of nowhere but I used to wear boys clothes because my dad didn't want me to be feminine and I used to have my hair cut in a barber so it was like this whole mixture of identity and I I started to lose sight of who I was so I'd say for the first couple of years of high school I I tried to desperately fit into like you know, this crowd, I didn't quite fit in there, and I tried to fit in this crowd, and I didn't quite fit in there. And so I moved school, and that was even worse. I, I got quite badly bullied in school. Um, and we eventually moved away from Leicester and we moved down in, to the southwest, and school wasn't really easier there either. Um, at that point, I started to lose sight of who I was at the core. So I became disruptive and disrespectful and uh, probably a little bit brattish and you know at that point I was 14-ish and I was having a really difficult time with my dad at that point I wasn't really living at home I was sofa surfing and I I was just reacting to all of the stuff I think having no mum and then my dad going through a difficult time himself and that then spilling out into our personal relationship and that was quite abusive in in some ways and that was hard it was hard for me and I felt like I'd got nobody but there were you know there were people trying to support but I think when you're in that haze and that 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 fog it is very very difficult especially as a teenager you know when you're a teenager you go I have teenagers and and it's tough being a teenager and it is challenging and it's all of those things and then to feel really alone and not really seen and heard and you know, I I went from this and I became something else and my body changed overnight and I had all the complexities that you have when you're, you are a teenager and then I had, I felt like I got no support at home and that was hard. That was definitely hard and I think that actually impacted me well into my
0: 20s. Yeah. And do you think the trauma of having no mum and having that relationship do you think that's impacted your life a lot oh yeah 100 percent. i mean at the time i
1: i didn't see it yeah because um, it's normal yeah you because, know yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and you know even certain situations with my dad when i you know i've discussed things with my older children and they just look at me like i've got two heads they're like you experienced that and you you dealt with that and that's how you lived your life and i'm like yeah and i and it it's not that it's funny to me, but it's like it's so alien to them, but it was so normal to me that I still don't think to this day that some of the behaviour that I tolerated or some of the situations that I experienced, I don't understand the 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 impact that they had on me. And I don't think I probably ever will actually because that was my norm for so long. And actually that's not my children's norm at all. So Yeah, it's definitely, definitely had a a massive effect. But I I now have such a close relationship with my children.
0: Yeah, because you value as an adult what you didn't have as a child. 100%. That is, you know, um, Dr. Martini really, really talks about that. It's like, look at your highest values. So for me, being financially independent is one of my very, very highest values because I used to see my mum hiding away clothes that she'd bought at the shops because she didn't have any of her own money. You know, and it's just so that's why you are a mum of six and you are homeschooling your children because you want them as close to you as humanly possible, which I completely understand. A 100
1: percent. And my relationship was at the top of my priority list. You know, there is nothing that comes higher than my relationship with my children. Yeah. And my husband knows that. And he's like he understands that that's part of who I am. And I, I am OK with that. Yeah. So, yeah, everything is revolved around my children. Mm. Nothing else is priority over them like a kids <laughs> yeah okay. I mean amazing. helicopter mum
0: <laughs> but yeah they, they, yeah we're really close we are really close amazing so you're 14 yeah. um you're where else are you living then South Wales uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, just outside of South okay. Wales okay okay someone comes into your life that kind of changes everything doesn't it really I mean
1: at 14 I was doing all the things that 14 year olds shouldn't be doing um I was I I wouldn't say I was fully rebellious, but I was definitely erring on the side of rebellion. And I think that was definitely down to the fact that I had a very, very tight, strict upbringing up until that point. Um, and even down to, you know, I, I was caught on the phone when I, was, when, I, when I lived in Leicester. And so my dad put a lock on the outside of my bedroom door. And when he'd go out, he would lock me in my bedroom. And so yeah I mean stuff like that I mean people are like what but to me it was just like okay this is kind of weird but whatever we'll roll with it and so I did I started I think the more that that tightened down the more I was like fuck this excuse my French but like I I am not dealing with this I'm gonna rebel and I'm gonna be really free and that, that has changed my life forever 100% so when I was 14 I was living my best wild life And I was working, because I always worked. I wanted to have my own money, uh, because money was also a thing. And I had three jobs. And one of them was working at a caravan site, you know, making candy floss. (laughs) And and I'd given out ice creams. And I this young boy, who I had zero interest in whatsoever, because I was into older guys, because, you know, they had cars. And he literally begged for me to go out with him and I was like N-. I mean your
0: children. I mean,
1: yeah like I, I and I was like, no, I'm like going out and clubbing and living my best life and he was like he I actually got on his knees and begged me oh. to go out with him. And I said I tell him I remind him of that to this day. And twenty two years later, I mean six children and uh, we've been married for twelve years or
0: something at this point. It's yeah. That is that is an amazing an amazing story
1: yeah and it's been a real challenge it's not been easy and my family did not want me to date him they didn't want me to marry him and they didn't want they didn't encourage that relationship I think one because he was uh, we were young and we have very different families we are very we're from very different backgrounds and my family expected me to be a doctor or your lawyer and you know he was from a little coal mining village and his dad was a minor and so we had very different, very different upbringings but actually he is the yin to my yang and as much as I drive him mad and he drives me nuts on a daily basis, you know, there is something there and there's something in it and it's work, you know, it isn't easy, it's definitely work but actually I love our relationship yeah. most of the time. And you actually you actually moved in with him, didn't you? I did. Fourteen. Uh, uh, yeah, 14, 15, we moved in and... You know, I think sometimes, wow, I can't believe his
0: parents actually let me move in. That's nuts. But they must have seen this broken girl who loves their son, little boy, basically. But it's like, you know, as a mum, you would be able to, I would be able to notice that in my, my children's friends. And I would want to nurture that and, mother that and try and protect her. And Absolutely.
1: Ensure- I think, and, and you know what people say about the mother-in-laws, but the reality is my mother in law's always been amazing to me. Have we had difficulties? Of course. Like, you know. I was a child when I we first started so she's seen me through all that development and difficult times but she's always been amazing to me she took me in when times were tough and she has supported me throughout and I'm very very lucky and I'm very grateful that I have that and I've always had that and I suppose she was the mom that I never really had um even though you know what our, our relationship is very much mother-in-law and daughter-in-law but Actually, we have a, we have a really good bond and I am very grateful for her putting up with me for 22 years. <laughs> Actually, she probably thanked me for putting up with her son for 22 years, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, she was, she was amazing. So I moved in with them and I didn't, I mean, I didn't go to school. In my last year of school, I think I went to school three times. Nobody ever chased me up. Like my dad didn't really pursue that. And so I just, faffed around for the last year of school Um, and bearing in mind I was meant to sit my GCSEs two years early because I was so advanced and I left school with nothing and no GCSEs and I don't really remember a lot about that period because I think it was just such a challenging time Lee and I ended up actually splitting up for a little while I went on to study business and and I left that because it was boring as hell like oh my gosh and and I'd never been allowed to do performing arts, and that's all I really wanted to do. I really wanted to do performing arts, but I come from a family of business owners or professional performers. Nobody does anything else. Um, and my dad was always saying, you know, performers don't make any money. And I think, hang on a minute, my uncle is Engelbert Humperdinck. He's made it, he's made it a few pounds. It's doing all right. But but I was all it was repeated that. You know, there's no money in performing, so therefore you should be doing something serious and you're academic, so why would you not? Yeah. So I went and tried business and it was it was so dull. Um so I went to so study hairdressing. I don't even know why I studied hairdressing. I think it was just I was looking for something and I fell pregnant with my son. And when Lee and I got back together and within weeks I was pregnant
0: with my first born who's now 19 which is crazy and you were 17 at the time when he fell pregnant yeah and how was that because there was a lot of stigma not so much now but back then back in the day you know when you fell pregnant age 17 the kind of stigma attached to that is is not very nice is it
1: it isn't nice and actually rewind six months before not a lot of people know this haven't spoken about it very much publicly because it is such a contentious issue when Lee and I separated, we separated for about nine months, something like that. And I very quickly got with somebody else because, you know, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Um, and he was slightly older and he was, you know, he was established. And I actually fell pregnant and I ended up having a termination. And I, my dad actually took me for my termination, interestingly. And so when I fell pregnant, maybe seven months later with Lee you know he wasn't very happy as you can imagine and nobody was very happy but i knew that it was a very different situation i knew i was in a very different space and i knew that lee and i had been for a couple together a couple of years previously and what our relationship was like and i decided that actually i was going to go to make it work and and we did you know we did and we did the work that was necessary to to make that happen but the stigma was real and because I'd had a termination beforehand actually it was even worse yeah and did your dad tell people that like, did people know no my dad's very like private but there were obviously people that had heard through the grapevine and obviously I split up with the sky and he was a bit annoyed and
0: so I, I, but I think I felt it as well I, I it's all like so much shame around it isn't there it's like Oh, you know, she's a slag because she's got pregnant. Oh my God, and she's sixteen. Oh, what, what kind of girl is she? Absolutely. You know,
1: absolutely. And and the reality is, is you don't know what's going on for that person. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stigma around it. There was a lot of judgment. Even like you know, midwives, older midwives. God, love them, but they were horrendous.
0: Um, and I felt completely unsupported. Well, that is the time when your mum a mum mother figure would step in and be like, I've got you, don't worry. Oh my god, it's emotional. I don't know why. Um, I've got you, we've got this, like, do not worry, I'll look after you. And then if you've got your dad, which is then making you feel shame for, for getting yourself into that situation. Really?
1: It Well, it was very much like, how can you get yourself into this situation again? And what are you thinking? And so like I'm having to deal with the fact that I'm pregnant, very young, I've got very little support one of the only people that supported us was actually Lee's mum and his grandparents. Um, so she took me all to my hospital appointments, and she was very hands-on. Um, but it's still hard. And Lee at the time was 16. Yeah, he, he was. He was younger. Yeah, he's younger than me. So when we had our eldest, Lee had just turned 17, um, which is crazy.
0: But the fact that you're still together, I just love that. It's just like two fingers up to the fucking judging bitches (laughs) absolutely it's like it's absolutely possible and of course it's taken work you know you haven't gone okay cool you know but you were like okay i'm going to show them and by 21 you actually had three children i did
1: i so you know we 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 moved out i remember moving into our very first place and we could just barely afford it lee was working all hours godsend, and we had this little tiny studio apartment that was costing us like 450 pounds a month and at that time it was like hideously expensive and you know I was like buying a packet of nappies every single week so I had a stack of nappies for when the baby was born you know like I I was that poor it was so hard but we did it and we moved out and it was hard you know having no bedroom and Lee was working all hours and the baby obviously babies cry and that was incredibly, that was challenging for our relationship and we learnt lots about each other and we had to grow very quickly, Um, even though we'd grown quickly previously, like that was another level of growth. Um, And one of the things that I did was I went to college when he was four months old and I do regret that now, but at the time it was the right thing for us to do because I wanted or I felt the pressure to go back and prove to
0: everybody that I could yeah. succeed. It's not like you're uh, wasted. Right. You know, Like you know your potential. Everyone knows your potential. Right. And by having a baby, it's like, oh, you know, to the outside world, it's almost like, oh, it's taken her out of the game. That's it now. She's just a mum. Uh-huh. And it's like... And I, I do. I, I,
1: I regret That's going back to college quite as quickly because I didn't have the time with him. So I didn't breastfeed because... I didn't know how to breastfeed, and I remember lash- trying to latch him on when he was maybe five days old. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never had any brothers, or sisters, or babies around me. I'd got this baby, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was like, "Okay, should I try and breastfeed him?" I was fi- he was five days old. The milk had kind of started to dry up at that point. I couldn't latch him on, so at, at that point, I was like, "Well, no, he's supposed to have bottles." Um, and I remember the the you know the health visitor coming around and you know with the forms. So, you know, what are you doing and what have you... And I've just felt so questioned and I almost felt interrogated like I wasn't good enough. And I went to mum groups and they were just horrendous. Like I was like, I'm never going to them ever again. So I threw myself back into college and I did college and I, I did hairdress. I went back into hairdress and I did that. I hated it, but I just was like, I'm going to do it because I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And then Kian uh, was four five months old, fell pregnant with Kai and I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, this is wild. And so I was 19 and two children. And and it was chaos, you know, two boys. They're full of energy and they're full of life and they want your attention. They need you to be, you know. And it was a very different experience. I breastfed him. I took some time out of college. I let Lee just do his thing and work and actually it took some time for me Um and we were tight. I couldn't leave him. And at the time I remember going for a driving lesson and Lee had him and he cried for two hours solid because we I was so I, I was almost obsessed with him because I'd I felt forced to go back with Kian. So when Kai came along, it was almost like, No, I'm gonna take time for me. And so we were I mean, we still are incredibly close, even though it's like six foot five and huge, but we're we're tight as anything. And so Nineteen, yeah. Kid comes along, take a year. Great, go back to college, do performing arts, which is what I wanted to do all those years previous, and I smashed it. Triple distinctions, no messing. Absolutely loved it. Worked my bollocks off. I did. You're a singer, aren't you? I am. Yes, yeah. you are. I'm here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I had to break through all the the. The barriers of, like, getting over my anxiety around what I look like and stereotypes.
0: And and did you have, back then, did you have, like, a, 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 an unhealthy body awareness? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that, that started when I was very young because
1: all of the women in my family are very naturally curvy. So I remember specifically being on a run with my dad. He used to make me run every day. And him being like, if you don't keep this up, you're going to be fat like the rest of the women in your family when you're older. And I, that followed through with me the entire way through. So even when I wasn't as curvy as I am now, I, am, I was consciously aware of the fact that I wasn't really tiny. And even when I was like a size 10, I always felt big. And it didn't matter where I was on the spectrum, I always felt in my mind, and I look back at photos, I'm like, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I was curvy, but there was nothing wrong with me. And I, so that followed through at 100%. So definitely unhealthy body image
0: for a long, long time. And musical theater school, unfortunately, especially back in the day, you know, when I went, like, everyone was being weighed, you know, I've never been big, but they would call me the chubby little thing. You know, like, it's like, i like, you know, and, and but they, st- that stays with you. You know, I didn't even, I wasn't even body aware. And then the teacher's calling me chubby and I'm like, oh, what does that even mean? You know, and then, then for more, I became conscious, but in, in, in an unhealthy way.
1: Absolutely. So when I was studying performing arts, it wasn't too bad. When I went and studied musical theatre. Okay. That's when I was, it was even worse. And so our teachers were all, um, you know, from top drama school. So they're used to, you know, girls that look a certain way. And I remember... And you've just had two kids as well. like <laughs> a, a third, actually. Like, literally, I had a third. In fact, I'll tell you what, I did my final exams for my performing arts with my daughter in a walker. Love it. I did a dance exam with my daughter in a walker in the theatre. And that's how I did all of my learning, and then i went to I went to drama school and I did musical theater, and honestly, I found it incredibly tough. I was doing a hundred mile round trip every day, and that was that was hard that was really hard and i was I was scouted to teach singing, so I was teaching and singing and then I got into t v so I was juggling drama school teaching and filming, and three children, one of whom was at that point being diagnosed with autism it was chaos I do I wasn't meeting myself coming backwards and at that point I was like something has has to to give give. yeah um and I decided that as much as I love performing I needed to do that in a different way and that's when I started to go into television because i knew that i could do tv because it was on my doorstep and i could semi pick my job so i got a really good relationship with our agency so that's when i really started to focus in on tv work and i loved it like i love being around creatives and i know you understand because you're a creative you get it it's a different buzz it's a different energy there is just that understanding between creatives And I learned a lot about humans, like being in that environment and how actually it was who I knew. Like it wasn't what I knew. It wasn't all of the things I'd learned in drama school or on the stage or it was who I knew and who was connected to who. And I'd sit there and I'd watch James Corden talk to Matt Smith and Matt Smith talked to an Oscar winning director. And, you know, the cast and crew would move around and you'd just be like, I've worked with him on this, you know. And I was like, oh, I get it now. It's it's all about who you know, and that's where I started to understand networking a, bit, a little bit more. And networking for me is uh, now we understand there's everything. Everything is down to who you know and who you can pick up the phone to when you need to. You need a connection.
0: Yeah, building those relationships with people. Absolutely. Just for, just for kind of the for the audience. So there's a big. TV hub, isn't that, near where you live? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So So it's not in London, yeah. No, Cardiff and Bristol are massive because obviously
1: London's so expensive to film. They're moving outside and, you know, it's cheaper. I I remember filming Trollid with Jane Horrocks, who's hilarious, by the way. And one of the crew said to me, six weeks in London is the same price as for us
0: to have a year in Bristol. Wow. You just couldn't compete. Yeah, Yeah, so you were in there living your best life how long did that last for eight years okay eight years and then by this time do you have any more children over that eight year period yeah so I have a fourth
1: <laughs> I have a fourth um who's it was amazing and I took time away and I was a very different mom at that point I was less stressed and I I felt like I was in rhythm you know when my first three were really little it's just chaos honestly like I remember sitting on the stairs crying because I was like, how do you even handle the school holidays? Like, they're just hideous, Um, (laughs) uh, literally. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't do this. It's crazy. Um, And then I had a fourth and I started to, Okay, I'm not worried about what everyone else thinks. So I just remember so often, way, way more often than not, worrying about what they wore, what the hair was like how they spoke how they sat at the table what people would say what people thought you know and and people were judgmental and they still are of course yeah i go out now and people stare and they stare when you're at dinner and they stare because we're a big family so they just look and you're like what are you looking at and they just and it's off-putting it's like yes we're a big family we you know we're sat here they behave like what do you want um So I think for a long time, I found that very difficult to deal with. And then when I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't care what you think of my child's outfit. If they are happy in jelly sandals and fucking flowery whatevers. And a woolly hat. Exactly. They're just going to do them. And that's when the power of being a mum really started to unlock for me. And I realised, fuck everybody else. I'm doing this for me. My family happy, well looked after and thriving. And... They are different to what you want them to be. Then I don't give a fuck because I'm doing it for me. Ah, oh.
0: hallelujah! you're exactly. A hallelujah. Moment. That, and how old were you when you learned that? Mm, moving towards my late twenties. Yeah. yeah. And, and you've, and exactly. Like you've been through all of that, and it's just something. And I think for all of us, I didn't have that. I had that. I was probably about thirty-six when I had that, which is basically the age that you are now. You know, it took me all of that time to get to that point to just think. I don't care what you think and it's the most liberate that's the one thing if I can teach anyone yeah. to not care. But how did you how did you was there a point where you thought of that or did you learn that like what was the trigger for you? I think there were a series of things.
1: I think it's very difficult to go this was the moment, but there were lots of things. Lots and lots of like small stroke large things along the way it was like it, people judged me for being in tv and then people judge me for having a business and then people judge me for having lots of children and people judge me for throwing myself all into my business and you know I mean it was just like a a consistent like feeling of like people having a say in my life and I remember a really difficult time in my life and somebody said to me Leona you have way too many people have an opinion on your life and you're listening to too many people you have to stop and at that point i thought they are absolutely right i made i made excuses and apologies for everything I felt like I had to explain myself and I remember we used to go on holiday a couple of times a year and we really it, we couldn't we were, we were not in any way wealthy but we'd save all year to go on holiday and we wouldn't go out or we didn't smoke and drink and all of the stuff so that we could save and you know take the children on holiday a couple of times a year and people would say how can you afford to go on holiday a couple of times a year i think the fuck that's got nothing to do with you what I do with my money is down to me and so a series of things happened and i remember thinking i'm not doing this bullshit anymore like i'm going to be unapologetically myself and i remember somebody reached out to me and said there's a gokwan casting for a runway we want you to apply and i was like fuck that like i couldn't think of anything worse i've done tv tv is different you're being somebody else I, I did some presenting work and it was fucking horrendous. I remember feeling so like vulnerable in front of the camera because you're you and, you know, you feel exposed. And I thought, OK, so I, I, at this point I'd started my Facebook group and we'll talk about that in a minute. But there were lots of eyes on me and the majority of them were women. And I knew that a lot of women held themselves back through lack of self-confidence and so I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do it for them. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for them. That was my justification. If I got it, I was just going to do it for them. And I got it. And I did it. And it was the most painful fucking experience of my life. Like I hated every minute you of it. in underwear? I was in all kinds of things. I remember this, watching it. Literally. Yeah. like, and, and none of them you pick. So it's not like, okay, so I know what suits my body. I know what I like. I know how I like my hair. I know how I like my makeup. No. Everything is taken out of your control and you don't get to decide. And it's like, holy hell, I felt so exposed. And everybody there was a professional model. And I was like, I have never modelled in my life. I've done some like promo work, but you know, it's different. So all eyes are on me. I've got to walk on a catwalk. Like, hello. What if I fall off? What if my shoe breaks? Like, all of the things that go from my head. My, my shoe did break. <laughs> me. But. I did it and although I hated it in the moment I felt so amazing afterwards and it was almost like I proved to myself and everybody else you can do you know what for those people that said this and this you never amount to this because of this it was like a fuck you moment and I thought do you know what I can do whatever I want I can I, I feel like I can do whatever I want so now in my business in my life I'm like do you know what don't tell me no. If you tell me now, I'm going to find a way anyway. So you might as well tell me yes, because it's going to make his life, his, both of us, much easier. Um,
0: so yeah, that was definitely a moment. Yeah, I love that. 100%. It's like the catwalk moment. Here I am, unapologetically. And also, back then, so what's that, what, 10 years ago, roughly? No, so Gokwan was about six years ago. Okay, six years ago. The kind of there wasn't a movement to plus size models then either. Not really. It was it no. just kind of starting? It was. So yeah. now we see them everywhere. And it's like, yes, girl, love it. But again, it's that you've got to look a certain way and be a certain way and expect them to be looking like that on the runway. And you're there going, No, you don't. And actually I was like at the time
1: probably one of the smaller end of the 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 curvy models that they had. And I was like and they were getting naked in front of each other. And I was always like, and because I'd never had a mum or any, like I was always like, you know, getting my towel on. And I remember going to a water park and down slides fully closed because I didn't want anybody to see my body post-children. Um, and I felt so exposed. But then I was like, do you know what? Who cares? Do you know what? I am here as I am today and I'm just gonna own who I am. I might look different tomorrow and that's absolutely fine. And if you choose to do whatever you want to do with your body and you want to look this way, great, go for you. And I think that for me it started to unlock my love for women because previous to that I really didn't like women.
0: Oh really? No.
1: And do you think that's come from your mum trauma? Yeah. That like I I actually was a bit. I can at 100% own the fact I was I was unhappy. I was bitchy. I'd moan about everything. I was very judgmental of other women, and that was just my own. That was my own insecurity. I'm just be like, who? Do, what's that? Who does she think she is? And that was all my bullshit. It wasn't theirs. And now, when I see a woman, I'm like,
0: go fucking me you. too. I will stop you in the street and be like, you look amazing. Yeah. I love your energy. Those boots are incredible. Me too. Go, girl. I mean,
1: sometimes they look at me like I've lost my mind, but I'm like, it's okay. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm very much of that way now, and I want to celebrate women, which is why I do what I do, because actually women are fucking awesome. Do you know the shit that we have to deal with on a daily basis just to do like? Yeah. Um, And we don't appreciate ourselves and other women enough. We are so, as women, we are trained to be judgmental of other women. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the latter part of your 20s, I know that you uh, join an online business and within that online business, you start to be successful, start to do coaching and realize I'm well, mentoring, not coaching. coaching. We'll we'll come on to that later. I'm fucking good at this. I'm really good at empowering people and lifting people up and helping them see. And that was the kind of where the, the seed was planted, wasn't it, for your... Mothers um, in Business networking it, group. Yeah. It
1: was. So one of the things that I was very good at in my online business was mentoring women. So I was, I was good at helping them show up online. I was good at helping them see vision for themselves. I was good at helping kind of breed confidence in them. And I started to realise, actually, I was really, really good at that. And people would come to me for that. They wouldn't come to me for the business or the product. They'd come to me for that. And so... I'd watched a couple of people online. I was like, I reckon I could do that. Yeah. All right, you know, £10 courses, I can do that. I can help people feel more confident with 10 quid. Easy. And, and it grew. And it grew. And then we set up a Facebook community and that grew very quickly. It was 17000 in four months and it was wild. Yeah. It was absolutely wild and it was growing daily.
0: That, your, that business started off as just a Facebook group. Yeah.
1: And actually, in the beginning, it was, there was zero intention really to monetize it very much. It was just purely to bring women together because I'd felt that there were
0: very few places that women could network safely. So women who are mums, that's the difference. Because, you know, I have been to conferences, you know, in my online business. My girls are older now, but I went with my babies. And there was no other place that I could have done that because it would have, it's like oh the mums are here you know it's like you can't you couldn't be an entrepreneur successful very wealthy and be a mum at the same time No, there were two very different things yeah
1: and it was very much like you put your mum hat on over there and you don't bring it to the table and like and they were early mornings or really expensive or they were they were stuffy and I'd go and I think this is led by men yeah really and it was just like dick swinging it was a sales pitch all the time and I, I was like I'm not looking for a sales pitch I'm looking for genuine connection I want to grow my business absolutely that's what I'm here to do but I'm also I also understood that I wanted that that connection and so I, we started one and I started you know I started a business with a business partner and we stormed it like there was nothing on the market like it. We were very aggressive in our approach, and we had fo- we had we had meetings with Facebook, and we had meetings with publishers, and we had meetings with producers in LA, and everybody and their sister and their dog were knocking at the door. Forbes, everybody, and it was wild, and it was financially successful. It was it honestly, if somebody had offered me ten million quid to buy the business, I'd have said no because I genuinely loved everything about my business and that lasted for almost three years and then overnight it was gone and can you share with us yeah i'll share i'll share what i can oh, absolutely yeah. <laughs> so you, you know Without getting in we'd, trouble. we'd always had a really good relationship my business partner and i really good relationship i, I felt that we had a really good
0: relationship and the just so I could, both of you started because you were like you know we want we are mums we want to create a space for other mums. So was that kind of the intention behind that it? That was yeah. the intention, absolutely. And then just together, it, it, it just grew and grew. It did. And just quickly, just before we go into that, just so pe- to really people understand, how did you, you know, you've got this Facebook group, how did you monetize that?
1: So we provided courses, we provided okay. trainings, we had memberships, we have got networking events all over the world. At this point, three years in, we've, we're holding three hundred networking events a month. Wow. And is that franchised? Is that- effectively. I mean it wasn't we didn't franchise it because we wanted the everyday mum to be able to come in and we didn't want somebody just dropping fifteen grand on a franchise. But we were doing very, very well. Um COVID hit. Okay. That was fun. You know, lots of our money came from in-person networking events. So that there was navigating those waters, which it was challenging as it is for the majority of business owners um and something happened between mine and my business partner fa- yeah, yeah. mine Tell and my business partner juice. relationship and literally within 4 weeks we've gone from talking 10 times a day to this weird energy and i like you know i'm mindful of sharing specifics but literally the we've done 50,000 pounds in revenue that month and I was in America because I'd been traveling the world for a little while and I get a phone call that I need to stand down as a director because I got a bad credit rating and my credit rating still sucks actually to this day. I mean, it's just a nightmare, isn't it? But I'd walked away from a business maybe six years prior and it left a dent on my credit rating. So I was like, yeah, no problem. We needed to apply for a COVID loan just so that we had some buffer for, you know, covid and uh said yeah no problem absolutely fine and my business partner refused to put me back on as director and in short i we entered into a a mediation yeah and our mediation basically came to a head and it was you know my offer on the table is 40 grand in a three-year non-compete or you can work for me and I'd I'd built this business and I'd built this and business. And also you with were her. the face of this business. Absolutely I mean, I didn't class myself as the face of because it was our business, but a
0: lot of From the outside looking in. Yeah. On your Instagram, it is it is you. Yeah. So I say, Do you know what? Fuck you.
1: And I cried for about three days. I did. I sobbed and it was hella messy and my team were a mess and everybody was distraught because we'd really bootstrap this business we had 270 amazing people that I worked with on a daily basis to build the business I had really good relationships with my team and within three days I started again I was like do you know what why do you think she did that like I know why she did it can you share that? yeah yeah I'll share um so about two weeks after I walked away so I worked by the way after I said fuck you I worked a month for her and she didn't pay me my wage, um, <laughs> as you do. I won't be doing that ever again. Um, I, a, a few weeks later, somebody approached me that I know and they said, I know something. I know what this situation is about. I'm like, I'm glad you do because I have no idea. Like This has come left field for me. And she said, uh, your business partner had a, an investor lined up and I was like, what? like we talked about investors and we created pitch decks and all, we'd start to create pitch decks and stuff um, to kind of expand the business but that was always like a joint conversation I was like well I haven't heard of anybody anyway I take this person out of the group because this potential investor was in the group and within minutes she messaged me and she said why have I been taken out of the group and I said oh my lawyer has advised me to take you out of the group and she was like I'm really sorry like I didn't realize this whole thing would collapse and I was like, well, you know, what was the investment? And I just pretended like I knew everything. I had no fucking idea, but I was like the FBI. (laughs) And
0: (laughs) And you feel it's like when something like that is done to you, it's like finding out if your ex is cheating. You just, every inch of your body is, is like on edge to know and you just become this like private investigator. Literally. So she
1: unraveled everything. Okay. And basically, her husband was giving her some money to invest in a business, and it was going to be ours. But she didn't my business, my business, no, wanted to get rid of me. And yeah, she thought she'd have the investment for herself.
0: And it's greedy da- bitch, greedy bitch, what a greedy bitch! Oh my god, come on!
1: Seriously, so outrageous! Yeah, it was outrageous. So yeah, I mean, the whole thing fell apart, and they obviously didn't invest and. I walked away from the company and the company did like three grand the following month or something. It was hideous. And it was hideous because we got a big online following and we got all these communities. So they were distraught and I was distraught. And I'm sure my business partner was distraught because she she worked really hard as well. And I'm like, what on earth were you thinking? Like, wh-? It's not broken. Don't try and fix it. Yeah. It was perfect. It was. It was. And it was sad because... We'd lost our business, we'd lost our relationship and we'd lost the trust of some of our, our members and that was devastated. That was the hardest part for me. Yeah.
0: So, three days, you cried for three days. I did. A full pity party, which yeah. you are allowed, I understand. A three-day one. Yeah. I was devastated and then I was like, fuck this. Girlfriend, remind yourself of who you are. You've just modelled you just taught, for one. Yeah, <laughs> And also just... you've just been teaching for the three years. Exactly. Entre- entrepreneurship to these women and that is what it is. It's the highs, it's the lows, it's everything in between. But what makes someone successful is how many times they get back up one thousand percent and it's like do you know what one thing i
1: have got is tenacity like i i may be shit in many other things but you will struggle to find a more tenacious person and i think that's genuinely down to all of the things that i experienced as as a child um but i was like right bring it the fuck on and i made 23 grand to the following month and i was like do you know what i'm on fire i te- but that's when the hard work started because i had a community that rallied around me. So they were all very engaged and wanting to see the success.
0: And when you just quickly, just when you said in three days you started doing business What did you start? I started, again, I started networking events. I started mentoring. Your own version of what you were doing, basically. Absolutely. And what's that Uh, called? Mums in Business International. Mums in Business International. And this is where we're at now. So yeah, carry on. So what did you do? Tell us. I, I literally rallied everybody that wanted
1: to stick by me. And I was like, look, I haven't got any money. I literally have left all of my money in the business. I've been living my best life. So I hadn't really got any savings, you know. Kids are expensive, having a good time. And so I was like, "I do want to. Do you want to come in? Like, what do you want to do?" And everybody dug deep. I was really fortunate. I had amazing people around me. I'd got really good relationships, and I think that's something that I want to stress to people: is your relationships and your connections are everything. Because when your chips are down, those are the people that would go, "Come on, let's let's do something," or "I've got somebody that can help you," or you know, think about that. Because I think sometimes we're so easy and quick to burn
0: those those things and. They're, they're everything. And what you're so good at, Lorena, is being vulnerable and open at all times. There's no like smoke and mirrors. It, you, what you see is what you get. And I think people, that's trustworthy. That builds the trust, doesn't it?
1: It does. And I, I had people that came to me and said, I am so glad you left that business. Really? And they were like, yeah, they were like, we, we couldn't wait to see you shine on your own. And I have to say the last three years has been incredibly tough. It's been incredibly tough not having somebody just to pick up the phone to and go, what's the right decision here? It's been incredibly tough that we've had to rebuild through a pandemic and now the recession that follows the pandemic and it has not been easy and people have gone, yeah, you've done this and we've done amazing things over the last few years but I want to stress to people that that has not been easy by any stretch of the imagination and previous to that, I never thought about giving up and I have a hand on my heart, thought about giving up at least 20 times every month over the last three years and I want people to understand that because it has been beyond challenging but I haven't given up that's the thing I've had to navigate and I've had to innovate and I've had to change Uh, I have never chopped and changed so much in my life and I've said yes and I've said no and I've said no then I've said yes but I've really had to adapt to what's what it is that's going on um So I'm like, do you know what? I've been in survival mode for the last three years. I've definitely not thrived, I would say, in the last three years. Although people around me would say I have. And I've grown and I've learned. But now I'm like, it's fucking game time. (laughs) I'm like, hello, I might have just been surviving and treading water for a little bit and you've stomped on my head. But girl, when I get back up, you know that I'm coming. So yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard and I've had a lot of people take the piss out of me over the last three years. And I think they saw my vulnerability and my you know the fact I was distracted and I've had
0: a lot of things go on but I remember that yeah and you openly shared it all didn't you on social media yeah yeah Yeah. Um, and and I think that's why people connected with you so much because they were just like oh my god like you know this person that we put on this pedestal is is having a real bad day week month just like us and I think That is so, so powerful. What made you decide to do that?
1: I always promised my community and anybody that followed me from the off that I would stay true to who I was. And don't get me wrong, have I changed as a person over six years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I've always remained true. And that's one thing that people say to me when they meet me. You're the same online as you are offline. And I'm like, I hope so. Because A, yeah, I'm a fucking good actress. But the reality is I I don't want to act every day. I, I want to be inspiring because I'm myself, not because I've put on a facade of, you know, this Instagram lifestyle of fabulousness all the time. Yes, I love fabulousness and I love bougie and I love Instagram lifestyle, but,
0: you know, the reality is, is one picture just is not my entire life. Yeah. And going on to your entire life, so for the last five years, you have been travelling the world with your children, which you now have six by this time. And so just talk to us, go through back to that decision to, to travel and leave. Obviously, your previous business was booming and you were like, OK, let's go. What was the, what was the motivation to do that? The motivation was being surrounded by people that just didn't get it. Okay. I really, what, in your village or
1: your family? Or- no, well, a family, village, every, you know, just like my circle of not immediate close friends, but the people around me were miserable, judgmental they they didn't understand to what I stand why I wanted to wear eyeliner to the school gate and I was like you are not my people honey like if you want to wear pajamas to school gate I'm fine with that but you don't judge me for wearing eyeliner to the school gate and I was like I'm done and I distinctly remember I had my eyelashes and my nails done I went home and I said to my husband I need we have to move abroad and he was like okay and I was like wow I love that he was just like okay I know yeah I know and he's really not like that I think he would had enough as well. And actually, in that moment, it was like, let's go. And we sold everything within six weeks and we're out. And I'm like, that's my biggest, like, fuck yes moment. You know, it's like, do you know what, we're going. And I wasn't taking a lot of money from the business. We sold everything. And so we had some buffer in the bank, but it wasn't that much buffer. You know,
0: there was it was not that much buffer. You but had five children at the time. How old were your kids then when that you did so that? So eldest was 14.
1: Youngest was 18 months. Yeah. and like the gang. It was literally like a let's all go in moment. And and where did you go? How did you choose that? Tell me. Literally. So we went to southern Spain and we went to a place called Ronda, which is beautiful, by the way. Um but i went this is my budget i want to go somewhere warm and close to home just in case it all goes to shit so we we looked in the area of spain then i found somewhere that looked pretty and then i found somewhere within my budget and i was like yeah we'll go there we haven't been to the place we haven't been to the house we haven't seen any of it and it was just like do you know what? if it goes wrong i'll
0: go home like i'm not i wasn't massively concerned what is the worst that could happen when you're moving to the sunshine exactly and how would you feel about obviously you're you know a big concern for a lot of people even i have friends who are in england right now that want to move but their kids are in school and that's why they say i can't move because my kids are established in school you know they're nine or ten it would be unfair to take them out what what are your thoughts around that it's all bollocks
1: genuinely if you ask my children if they would prefer to live the life that they have now or the life they had before every single time if their eyes closed they'd say now and I was I was worried about that and it, you know has it at the times when I'm like am I doing the right thing yeah absolutely of course when I'm trying to teach them algebra I'm like what am I doing like I, but they live an amazing life you know they're here my daughter's here in Ibiza you know we're going to LA to go to with a client I'm flying with her to Dubai in September she'd not be able to do that if she were at school my son who's 17 is going to Bangkok for a couple of months next week again he wouldn't be doing that if we were in school so they've you know a couple of my children have got businesses and that's not because I want them to have businesses but because they I've helped them understand that they can monetize their skills why wouldn't you be making money from your skills because you're good at this you can make some
0: money and not have to scrub tables for five quid an hour yeah exactly especially with the internet right now it's it's it is a young person's world it is my my my
1: now 17 year old when he was 14 I started work uh started doing business He made three grand in his first
0: month you can't do that in school you can't do that and no one teaches you that in school you know it literally i was like 31 when i learned that i was like, oh wow while i was you know pissing around like earning £5 an hour selling my soul I could have been doing something online or or anything anything entrepreneur I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant until I was in my 30s you know because it's just not taught and so is that your kind of goal with your children to teach them to have an entrepreneurial mindset or how do you feel if some of them got like a, a normal job so
1: my eldest has he's got a normal job i mean he's self-employed but he fits solar panels and he's he's happy yeah and he's back in england now isn't he, he yeah. is and my, uh, me and my husband have a many conversation about this and i think this is where it comes down to you can conditioning so i remember being very young and feeling this pressure that they must do something special right and my husband's like i don't care he's been, man I just want him to be happy. And if he's happy being a big man, then that's OK by me. And I thought, he's right. Yeah,
0: he is right. Yeah. He's
1: right. You know what? It's not about how much money you've got in your bank. It's how happy you are. And if you can afford to pay your bills and you're happy, you're winning at life. And my husband told me that because that's not what I knew. My, I knew that if you had money, then you were happy. And it's not the same thing. It, they're two very different things. And so my son's happy fitting solar panels. He makes good money. He's happy. He provides for himself. And, you know, in five years' time, he might not want to do that. And that's absolutely fine. And I'll support him with that. But right now, he's happy doing a job. Kai and Enna, my other two, I don't think they'll ever work a proper job, really. They're two... They understand that they can make more money per hour working for themselves than they can ever working for anybody else. And they have the freedom and flexibility of saying yes or no and actually I'm in I'm doing this or I, I want to do this and it doesn't fit with what I want for my brand and amazing yeah I mean sometimes that's hard because you know that comes with its own challenges of maybe not having a consistent month financially but it brings with it so many other amazing things yeah and they learn the hustle yeah. And
0: I know that you love the hustle. I love the hustle. Me too. I are so triggered by the word hustle. I'm like, why? Oh my God. Fucking awesome. Well, I don't want to be lying down, hoping things happen. I want to be out there, like, fucking going out and getting it for myself. But do you think, because I feel like, no, and, and I feel like you probably think the same. My girls and your children, they've been brought up in Aviva, traveling the world. They've seen everything. They've never, They've never had that feeling really of lack, or this is shit, both of us grew up having a feeling of not, oh, God, this is a bit rubbish. People have more than me. That that I was happy, but I was kind of, I always knew that there was more. And I feel like that gives me the drive to have that hustle. I worry that my little girls are not going to have that because they've never really, well, they won't see the struggle. Right. And I think that definitely is a real thing.
1: So one thing that I did when they got old enough was I started to make them pay for things? So you know when when I felt like Kai, and he won't mind me saying this, but he was he, about fifteen. He started to get a little bit knobbish Okay. So I was like, right, you're gonna pay a little bit of board because he was earning good money. He was earning three grand a month at this point. So I was like, right, you can pay twenty pounds a week. And he like, you know, and now it's like, mum what i'd give so he, he went to mexico by himself and then he went to uk by himself for a bit and he's going to bangkok because so obviously his expenses are more than 20 quid. He's like what i give to pay 20 quid a week like he said i and he sat me down the other week and he said mom i appreciate that he said do you know he said do you know why he said because i understand why you did that and i understood that you were trying to teach me that life is expensive it isn't nothing is given to you. no absolutely so he has he has work ethic and He wants to go to Bangkok. He's paid for that. Now, don't get me wrong. Have I helped him? Of course. Like, you know, absolutely. And he... when he's only 17. He's only 17. Absolutely. But when he went to Mexico, like, he wouldn't let me pay for his flights or anything. But I made him, like, a travel kit. And I bought him new clothes. And I packed him with everything under the sun that he'd ever need. um, Which probably cost him more than the flight. But... It's those things that I'm able to help him with, but he's very independent and he doesn't want that. Like he doesn't, he wants to be independent and he wants to pay for his own things. And I think that has, that has helped. Yeah. Um, the same with my daughter, she pays her own phone bill. I mean, she works for me, so effectively I pay it, but like she she works um, Earning the money. 100%. Yeah. And I think, so they both have a respect for money that because they they have seen that I've had to work incredibly hard. His, their dad has had to work incredibly hard. In fact, my husband, when we first had our son, had to do extra work for twenty pounds a day just to put food on the table. And my son was talking to me the other day. He's like, "I can't believe dad used to work twenty pounds a day." I'm like, "Because no we, option. yeah, yeah, you do whatever it takes." I worked on a sex line, <laughs> uh, and my and and my kids, my, oh my kids God, know with that the, the voice. yeah, like. My hi, hi, big boy. Hey. I, I was fucking good at it, Babe, I would be so good. It's like the actress yeah, in her. absolutely. in my pyjamas. Like, seriously, i doing the ironing.
0: But I worked on a sex fight when they were really oh initial. God, when I, do me an example of what you do. You're in your pyjamas, ironing. I'm like, hello. And they're like, hi. And
1: honestly, like genuinely, people think that they're just like, you know, getting off. But it's like, hi, I'm Tony from London. And I just want to talk about my black cup. And you're like okay, Tony, tell me all about your black cab. It's like, well, today I drove so, 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 so. And obviously the g- aim of the game is to keep them on the phone as long as possible because you get paid more. The more you keep them on, the more per minute. So I'm like talking to Tony about his black cab for an hour and a half. Like genuinely people think you're all like sexy and hello, big boy, but you're really not. Yeah. The majority of the time, they're they're lonely. Oh, it's very lonely. <laughs> yeah, they are lonely. So you're like... My my older kids, obviously, not my little ones, but they know that I worked on a sex line. I've told them and I'm like, look, I don't want you to have to do these things, but this is what I did in order for you to have food on the table. Like I did what it took to get you to this point. So they respect that. And I think that has really built something in them. So they're like, I never, like, I never want my mum to have to work in a sex line ever again. I I would never put myself in the position where I have to. I don't want to get to that point. And, you know, working for 30p a minute on a sex line is whatever it is. I mean, I laugh. And, but when I want my daughter on a sex line, I'd prefer that she wasn't, you know. and I'd prefer that I was in a position to be
0: able to help us and support her, but I did what it took. That's it, yeah, and that that in itself is an amazing skill because people don't, especially in the UK. There's so many handouts from the government that people think, "Do not, I'd rather not do that." So let's just sign on, and let's just you know. And I think that quality that you have, you know, not many people have it. Unfortunately, do you know?
1: Do you know what? Recently, I had a conversation with the DWP, and I said, "Right, you, you guys have got the Department of Work and Pensions in the UK." And I and I said, look, you guys have got this all wrong. Like we've got women in our community that are on universal credits and find it really hard to get off them because you make it difficult for them to get off. So I said, like let's have a let let's do something together. And basically, they've asked me to go in and train their back to work trainers and run some sessions for their women in business who are who want to get off universal credits, who want to get out of the system, but don't know how because it's set up for failure. And so I'm excited. I know so all of these Amazing. mentors and coaches are going for your high paid clients. I want to help the mums. I want to help the people that are stuck or feel stuck in a position where they, they they go around in a hamster loop. They are, you know, consistently dealing with a partner that's really difficult because they don't know how to get out of that. Or they, they will never make more than 200 quid a week because that's what they're their conditioning is, and that's what their environment is, and everybody around them makes 200 quid a week, but they want more. And it's not about me coming in and saving them because I never want to be like that. But I do want to inspire people to know that they can have more, even if it doesn't need to be an Instagram lifestyle. But if you're struggling to pay your cancer tax, if you're struggling to put bread and water on your table, then there is a problem, and we need to work on that so that you can have more and you can pay your bills with a little bit more ease. Because I've been the person who's gone to the supermarket and bought all the things with the yellow stickers.
0: Yeah, because... same. Bought the cheap cheese. I always remember having just about having a little bit more money and thought, oh, my God, I can buy the Cathedral City. I, I don't have to buy the Tesco value. And that was just such a life-changing moment because I'd never been the posh cheese girl. I'd always been like the Bobby Basics of everything because it was so much cheaper. Yeah. And what that, you know, having no money as a woman and especially as a mum, in that process, you, I really, really felt that I would lose my confidence. I, when I had no money, I would, my, comp, my, my self-worth was linked to how much I had in my bank account, unfortunately. You know, I wanted to get my hair done. I didn't have enough money. So it was just always like on the back foot. I never felt fully empowered, unfortunately, until I did have my own money. You know, my bank account was was a direction of how I felt about myself. But it isn't a
1: chicken and egg. I know. Because, like, you get this confidence when you start to create more success, right? And that's amazing. But where do we start? Because it's like, well, if you're not confident, you don't take the steps. If you don't take the steps, you're never going to grow your income. And don't get me wrong, is it linear? No, absolutely. And it's like this. And, you know, business is not easy, but it's understanding that you have to take that first step in order to move. And if you move, even just a little bit, you're gonna progress, and as you progress, you're going to grow more in
0: confidence. And as you grow more in confidence, it's like a hamster wheel effect. Yeah. And what do you teach people then, if you don't mind me asking? So if I I'm at home, I'm I'm a new mom. I've got a little girl at school, and I've got my baby at home. I want to. I know I'm made for more. I want to have more, be more, do more. But I have no fucking nowhere. To, I don't know where to start. Do I read books? Do I listen to podcasts? What, what,
1: should they, what would they do? Well, I mean, first of all, it totally depends on the person because like, the reality is it depends how you absorb information. It depends how much time you've got in your day. I always say to people, what do you want? Like, what is your definition of success? Right. And I watched the um, there's a documentary at the moment on Netflix about living your rich life. And he's bang on the money. He says to people, what is your rich life? And that is absolutely right. What does your definition of success look like? Mine is wearing no bra and no shoes. I love that. I I want it to be so warm. I don't have to wear a bra. I don't want to have to wear shoes. Like I want to wear shoes if I want to wear shoes, you know, and that's what's important to me. So it's understanding what you want out of life, not what everybody around you expects you to have for your life, right? And that's your definition of success. So I would start there and I would say, just write a few things down. What does that actually look like for you? What does that mean for you? Does it mean you're going into Tesco and being able to do a food shop without any stress? Because how many people still go into the, their shopping, that go and do a food shopping, especially now, and worry about what to put in the trolley? Yeah, Nobody should have to worry about what they put in the trolley, to a degree. If you want to get ham, cheese, bread, you want to have a spread, you want to have a, a cheeky Friday night treat, you should be able to do that, right? The majority of people can't. So it's understanding what that looks like for people and then building a plan that works for them, not somebody else around what it is that's going on in their life. So everybody's, you know, situations are different, right? So I've got six children, somebody's got no children, but they might have 10 jobs. I don't got a job, so I, I have a different way of life. So it's understanding what makes sense to them and everybody's plan has to be different it's not the same not, yeah there's not one 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 book fits fits everybody no no 100 percent. so yes read the books yes listen to the podcast less yes watch the youtube yes find your people and find people that you can you're inspired by but i think so many of us look for external motivation we're looking for when i listen to that person they make me feel this way great but that's a temporary fix So unless you're walking around all day with AirPods in your ears listening to somebody... You've got to find the thing that moves you and you've got to find the thing that you're driven by because not every day is it going to be easy. You're going to have all of the excuses under the sun why it can't work. I was literally trying to get ready for this podcast. The baby had all my makeup out. She bit a hole in my blender. I went to dab my blender on it, took my makeup off. Then I blinked and my mascara went everywhere. Then I curled my hair and it blew away went on the way here. I mean, it's just like, you know, one thing after another. It's yeah. just like, do you know, if I was consumed by all that shit, I'd never do anything because have six kids they're they're complex they're humans they come with needs I have lots of clients they've also come with needs and it's what what what's going to work for me what's going to work for me what am I in control of I'm in control of how I show up for myself I'm in control of the people I surround myself with I'm in control of how I turn up and how I deliver because delivery is part of my job I'm in control of how I feed myself mentally physically and emotionally those things i'm in control of i'm not in control of somebody who's pissed off about something i'm not in control but i'm in control of how i react and respond to that person and that has a knock on effect so i'm very mindful about what i do and how i what what positions i put myself in and when i'm networking i want to network with people who let's go people. I want to be around people who are movers and shakers. I don't want to be the most intelligent person in the room. I don't want to be the wealthiest in the room. I don't want to be the most well-spoken in the room. I want to be surrounded by all different types of people that I can learn from and I can absorb their information and absorb their knowledge and then become an even fucking better
0: version of myself. That's what I want. Absolutely. And I think I think the, the kind of thing, the theme with you is you love putting yourself out of your comfort zone. And, I, and, it, and it started, right, really with the Gokwan thing. I think for anyone listening, that is such a good place to start. Like, what can I do today that makes me feel uncomfortable? Because if I do that, then I know that tomorrow I can do something else, which is going to grow and grow and grow my confidence. And when my, my comfort zone grows, I become bigger, I become better. And even if it's just going to that mum's group and then, Talking to the mum that you feel is a little bit, you know, we all have those mums that right? you get the mum's group and she's like, oh God, she's, she's the fancy one or she's the glam one or she's the confident one. Like, go and sit next to them and say hi and introduce yourself. Just those little steps every single day make a huge difference, don't they, over over time? Absolutely, they do.
1: And I think people think it's one thing yeah, and it's not. One thing. It's never, and it's things like, do you know what, when I go onto a Zoom, I put perfume on. I, I you know when I when I when I go into the zoom I put lipstick on it makes me feel good and I want to show up as the best version of my I can give a shit
0: whether you can smile me down the thing like I'm not bothered but it makes me feel better yeah 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 I absolutely I am that person because I like to I like to leave my house ready and prepared for any eventuality like so I do you know my husband's like fucking how, Nick we're only going to the supermarket and I'm like but I don't care. He's like, no one's going to see you, but I don't care. This is not for anybody else. This is for me. This is how I like to show up. And of course, as soon as I get in my house, I take my makeup off. I'm in my pajamas within 0.3 seconds and he's laughing at me. He's like, babe, hey, you know, like, do you fancy like dressing up for me around the house? I'm like, no, but when I leave the house, this is me in the supermarket, in the bank. I, and why? Because I feel good. And I think ultimately that's you know, when I was, I had two little children and both um, within 15 months of each other, like two under two, I was working my online business and you know, it was exhausting. And I remember thinking, what could, could I do today? Even though I've had no sleep, my tits are leaking. I feel like shit. I've got a migraine coming. What can I do to make myself feel good? And that was putting on my makeup. Yeah. Oh my God. The power of putting a face on. I was like I like
1: why why are you wearing makeup? You don't need to wear makeup. I didn't ask yeah. you if I needed to wear
0: makeup. I no. want to make, wear makeup uh, for, for me, me, not you. Yeah. I if I want to does for me. That's all. That's all it is. And it's just this is who I am. Yeah. I'm Nicola with a face on. If you don't like it, fuck up. Exactly. I don't it's care. not your yeah. business. And
1: also don't comment. Yeah, what it's, it's got nothing to do with you. I've not asked you to comment on my stuff and i think social media unfortunately has allowed us to have an opinion about everything it's like nobody's asked for your opinion unless they've asked for it so we wouldn't we wouldn't give you our opinion if we saw you in the street and we don't know you but for some reason we feel like that that's okay on social media and it's not okay and if you're one of those people stop because do you know it's not valuable and you don't know what that person's going through behind the scenes we only have to look at people like caroline Flagg it's it's you you know you don't know when somebody's going to break you don't know when you're going to push somebody over the edge you don't know what they're dealing with behind closed doors mentally physically emotionally and so you've got zero right zero right to comment on anything that is not your business i always say to people stop focusing on everyone else focus on your own business focus on yourself focus on growing as a person if you're a business owner focus on growing as a business owner Level up, skill up, learn. I am not focused on you. I'm focused on me, and that
0: is no ego, not selfish. That's not, and it's not being selfish, but it is, but in the best way. That's what we want. I am so fucking selfish. My life revolves around me because if I don't put myself first, no one else is going to. And if 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 I'm not, if I'm shit, my world around me is shit. You know. But it took me. I would probably say like I was like thirty one, thirty two before I really learned that. Um, actually, maybe even older. And it was such a moment. I remember thinking, oh, my God, I'm the queen. No one else. I'm the queen in my life. And as soon as that happened, it was just, I can remember even the feeling. It was like a, a, like a, from the, my toes to at my forehead, like this, like, here she is. And as soon as I learnt that, to be, to put myself first, everything changed. Yeah, because how are you supposed, you can't show up as a mum. But as women, we're taught, oh, you know, like, we oh, handle Nicola. Oh, it's not all about you. What it is? It, it is. It's the Nicola Wells fucking show. Like it, it is.
1: It it absolutely one hundred percent is. And you cannot perform in the best possible way as with all of your hats on if you are if you're struggling and you've got stuff going on. And I always say to people, people say you were life coach. And I'm like, no. But when people come to me to talk to me about growing their business there is always life stuff that happens and life stuff that comes up. Because if you're having a tough time with something personally, it shows up in your business. And if you're having a tough time in your business, it shows up in your life. You have somebody piss you off in your business today or steal half of your clients, you're going to go home and somebody's going to feel the energy. You might not even verbalise it. It's just like your energy is speaking for itself. So, yeah.
0: And talking about life coach, so I you're not a coach No, (laughs) I'm not you're not a coach you're not a fan of the coaching industry are you
1: I I, don't get me wrong I understand that coaching is powerful so I'm not saying that coaching isn't powerful what I'm saying is the industry itself is knobby like and and everybody's a coach so you meet people and and you introduce yourself and you know I'm a vagina coach and I'm a I, honestly, like there's a coach for everything, literally everything. You're like, I didn't realize my vagina needed a coach. Does it need a coach now? I feel like I, my vagina actually needs a coach. And you start to like,
0: do I need a coach for everything? Do you feel this kind of coaching world came out in COVID? That's what I, I felt 1, like percent like emerged. And I even people within my own life, you know, I introduced them to say personal development. They read one book and they were like, oh, I'm going to be a life coach. You're like, mate, you haven't got a pot to piss in. How can you teach people? How to have a good life when you've, you... You're, just, your yeah. shit's hitting in the fan for you. I mean,
1: don't get me wrong, you know, of course, as life coaches, they're human, things happen, but oh. come on. Like, you've got to have they the to training. Have some sort of success, surely. Training, experience, all of the things. Yeah. So uh, we have access now as humans to the most amazing training, amazing teachings for free, low cost, awesome but just because you did something does not mean that you're proficient in it. And when it comes to somebody's life, that's a whole nother ballgame. Life and business, they're not to be messed with. So if you've got, if you're inviting somebody in to guide you and support you and give you advice and you don't know who this person is and you don't know what this person is about, you are missing, you're, you're making a mistake. So I always say to people, do your due diligence. If you want to get a coach, if you want to, get to work with a mentor, if you want to, you know, enrol in something, especially high ticket stuff, don't just give over your credit card details. Think about it. Go away and ask the five people around you. Is it going to make a difference? What have their testimonials been? What what, are, what
0: do they bring to the table? Have they just qualified? Yeah, or have they just sold themselves well on Instagram? Because... A thousand percent. You know... Instagram can make someone's life and themselves look absolutely amazing. But, you know,
1: we love a good filter. I'm not averse to a filter, but we love a good filter. We love, you know, filtering our lives. And, you know, part of it is the reality is, is we have to filter it because we can't document everything and be ridiculous. And, as you know, you don't want everything online. But it's also understand that people are very good at curating content. Yeah. For the outside world
0: and at- content creators rather than life coaches, one thousand percent. And so you do, and you, you know, you work as a mentor. I do, People, but you don't advertise that, right? No, I don't. And so, I actually trained as a youth
1: mentor years ago for young mums because I wanted to help young mums. And and when I had my online business, I realised I was really good at mentoring. And this was before mentoring was really a thing. Coaching the coaching industry was not how it is now. And so. As a byproduct of the success I have built, people will very often approach me and say, "I want to know how you did this, or I I want to replicate that with my business, or can you help me with certain?" Yes, absolutely, I can, but I I'm not proficient in everything, and but I do know lots and lots of people, so I'm very good at talking to somebody, figuring out what's going on, seeing if I where I can help, where I can't help, I will know somebody that is it, they're able to work with, mm-hmm. and that's how I work. I'm very proactive. And I'm very hands-on with my clients, but I also am consciously aware that I don't refer to myself as a
0: coach because honestly, I don't, I just don't like it. Yeah, I totally, totally get that and respect that. So, Leona? Yeah. What's next for you?
1: What isn't next? I mean, honestly, like I'm prepared for global takeover, to be honest. Um, so I have a couple of podcasts which, you know, I'm I'm producing more and having higher quality conversations um i am obviously growing my business i'm involved in a couple of really exciting projects a couple of tech projects in the states that i'm working on that actually i'm quite enjoying being part of somebody else's business because they have the stress and i just can get to come in and provide you know my expertise and then leave again which is i i'm quite enjoying that so yeah lots lots of like collaborations and honestly more of what i'm doing and i want to People laugh at me, but I want
0: to change the world, like genuinely. Yeah. But you are the British Oprah Winfrey. Wow, well, what can I say? That is that, that is that is your gut, and I totally get that. I actually had on my vision board that's you know the way that she is and speaks is so profound, isn't it? And it you is know, and, but there is no one in the UK that is like that of a female figure by any it means. Isn't. Yeah,
1: there, there there definitely isn't, and there's definitely a big space to to fill. Um, but I love watching this, but you know for me it's just about providing people with the belief in themselves and i want to show people that do you
0: know what you can be a hot mess behind the scenes and i genuinely am we are me and you are hot messes like my car is a fucking tip my house like i I don't mean to be messy but just i'm not dirty but i am messy my clothes are everywhere my makeup's there and i don't even see it because my (laughs) video all i'm doing is like you know, I'm putting my makeup on. I'm, I'm putting that there. I'm not thinking, "Oh, let's tidy that up." I'm thinking about the podcast and the feeling of what that's going to create and the conversation that I'm going to have with you and the vision that I'm creating for for next year and next week. And so, and I know that you you're the same. Our thousand hus- Our husbands are like just sign us. <laughs> Yeah, literally.
1: They go, like "Look at us."
0: Don't you, don't you see that on the floor? It's like, oh, no, I didn't even see it. Because I'm, I'm here in fucking fairyland. Literally.
1: Yeah. But I think when you're a visionary and when you are that way of thinking, it's hard to see all the little shit. Like, I, it just, it, like, that is, like, irrelevant to me. And what's relevant to me is moving and fucking shaking. And, like, I got involved with some water projects out in Kenya through Hopeful Handbags. And we've now fitted, we're on our 10th water tank in maybe six months. And, like there's you know the government other organizations doing it three in three years and you're like it's sixteen hundred dollars for a water tank like come on people what are we doing and so i'm very like fast and you know they laugh at me they're like give leona something to do she gets it done and i pride myself in that like i pride myself in getting shit done as soon as humanly possible i want it off my plate like i'm coming do it get it gone next what we're doing and we're moving and shaking so i'm you know people say to me when do you ever stop and i'm like I don't like to stop. When I'm dead, honey, I will be... I'll be no, like, I'm bored. I like, don't force me to stop. I'm just, I want to move. And that's how I thrive. However you thrive, you thrive. But don't
0: tell me how I should thrive. Yeah. And also, I can actually vouch for that because only a week ago, do you have the conversation. I invited you to join the podcast. You're like, honey, yeah, I'm flying over. And you flew in yesterday. And, you know, and what I love is that most people, probably 99% of people are, Well, I've got the kids, I can't, let me just check, let me just do this. And you were like, brilliant. And you've brought your eldest daughter, along with your youngest daughter, um, who is, what? she's just Just about to turn one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Go to turn one. And you're here, you're making it happen. And there's no excuses. There's no excuses in your life because you wanna do something and you make it happen with the current circumstances that you have. And I think that is so fricking powerful. Thank you and congratulations for that. I just love it. Thank you. Leona, yeah, my final question to you is what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Stop giving a fuck about what everyone else says. I lived my life for way too long worrying about the opinion of everybody else and the reality is you will never please everybody else. You know, you have to live for you and you have to be very self-aware like self-awareness is one of the most important things that i can express to you as a human and so understand what makes you tick and focus on that and don't worry about anybody else and i and i mean your parents your siblings everybody and it's not about being selfish it is about being self-aware
0: yeah amen amen sister you are amazing i am so grateful for you being here on the rooftop of know this beautiful location with an amazing story possibly one of my favorites so far i just love it um thank you so much and i know that this will inspire so many people men women old young i know that our videographers sat behind nodding no, the no, whole time oh my god yeah 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 um and yeah you're just amazing thank you leona